0: Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig and I'm going to be your host. Today we're welcoming Ian Ferguson, a well-known podcaster in the video game realm who has also started a new food podcast. Let's get started. On mic today we have Ian Ferguson. How are you doing, Mike? Good, sir. Good. How's it going, Aaron? It is going great. Uh, you, know, you are known most widely for your work on the Completely Unnecessary Podcast. And I could talk to you about that alone all day, but you've got two (laughs) other projects in the work now, as if you didn't have enough on your plate. Uh, You've got the Yokoi Kids project about Game Boy and Game Boy-related media, and you've got Extra Napkins, a new podcast as well. Correct. I find Um, both of those really interesting.
1: Thanks. Um, So the Completely Unnecessary podcast, of course, started – Um, with pat Contry uh at this point over six years ago um it's kind of crazy to think that it's been going for that long and we have um our 200th episode is coming up sometime i think in february um obviously that's that the the number of episodes that we put out increased a lot more when we went weekly as opposed to bi-weekly um and then the um, Yokoi Kids is a project with uh, a couple of our fr- my friends, um, mainly uh, my friend Rick. And um, him and I both tend to gravitate more towards um, just in our actual like free time when we've got a few minutes to play games. We tend to gravitate towards the original Game Boy. Uh, he has a Game Boy Color. I have um, a couple black and white original Game Boys. So the idea was to just kind of cover games that um, were relatively inexpensive and, you know, try to do things uh, related to the games that weren't just straightforward reviews, whether it was write music or do art or or something similar. And then um, the Extra Napkins podcast is the most recent one. Uh, I think we just recorded our eleventh or twelfth episode of that. In fact, I'll be recording another one of those today, um, and that is uh, that's my friend John and I. Um, I've known him since I was fourteen, and um, we've got an interesting history that maybe we'll get into in a little bit. But uh, um, him and I will sit online when I'm at work and he's doing work and we have to kill time and we'll just shoot the shit about food. We'll argue about food. We'll argue about fast food. We'll argue with other people about food. We'll talk about any sort of food in general. And we figured why not just
0: turn it into a
1: podcast. He had wanted to do one and uh, I figured, yeah, it would be fun.
0: I can definitely see that. And I found that in my own life talking about food and for some reason, arguing about food gets people whipped up into a passion that, it really is equaled only by things like politics and star wars i mean it's just one of those things <laughs> that it pushes that button yeah
1: it does um yeah it's like politics star wars religion food and the nice thing about food is i think i think one of the things that's that's great about talking about food and being passionate about food is uh at least if you're you're doing it with someone who's um what's the word I'm looking for Who, who's got an even keel it's a way to get that passion that you have when you're arguing about something like politics out in a uh, harmless way mm-hmm. um people feel just as strongly about the things they eat um yeah you know, the memories associated with food, the comfort, as they do other things, you know, whether it be, like I said, religion, politics, something along those lines. Yet at the end of the day, you're just talking food. And I think most people realize that you can walk away from a food conversation uh, and still be friends pretty easily. You know, it's something silly that people like to argue about as passionately as they do more important things,
0: I guess is what I'm trying to say. I can agree with that. Uh, I was showing on Twitter for some reason the the observation came to me that okay, full disclosure, I do not like mushrooms. I Got don't. Geez. All right, that's okay. fine. I'll let I'll let it slide. No, no. See, but uh, but I bet you <laughs> something that went through your head. What? Because this is what I get from everybody if I say that. You've just never had them cooked right. Let me make them for you. No. No, actually, I wouldn't do that with mushrooms. I would never tell
1: someone who doesn't like mushrooms that I can cook them properly because I realize mushrooms, um, for some people, it's what they are. I mean, it's a fungus. Uh, For some people, it's, you know, it's the look, it's the texture. Um, I do have a food like that, though. Uh, Anyone who tells me they don't like eggplant, I will tell them. You just haven't had it cooked properly. Mm -hmm. Um, Mushrooms, I tend to let people who don't like mushrooms slide by. I love them. I freaking love mushrooms. But I I, I wouldn't really ever try
0: to uh, convince someone otherwise, I think, on mushrooms. I I, I find it curious that somebody, when I tell them I don't like something, their first reaction is, I want to cook it for you. (laughs) (laughs) If I say I like bacon cheeseburgers, they don't rush to make me a bacon cheeseburger. But something (laughs) I don't like, they can't wait to make me. It's it, it's true.
1: Um, I think that just comes from I, I, I would imagine that the people who say that to you are probably probably cooks in their own right or people who enjoy cooking. So, you know, um, we do. It happens to me sometimes, too. Uh, admittedly, uh, you know, we, we get we get lost in ourselves. We get we get a little ego about it and we just assume that you know if someone doesn't like something well we can be the person who changes that for them
0: <laughs> and break it up a little, okay there you are, we're back and we're back and it gets to be even more bizarre when it's something that you know you can we can literally eat off the same plate and i can have the most wonderful experience in the world and you can think this is garbage yeah. And it's just amazing. That that's how human senses work. hmm. Yeah.
1: And I mean, you know, there's there's taste involved, but there's also things like um, I think I think preconceived notions about food going into it are going to affect that as well. Um, for instance, I uh, I when, when it comes to barbecue, I like barbecue that is um, I like dry rub. I, I'm not a huge fan of sauce. And anytime I sit down to try you know, something that is, say, a barbecue with a sauce, um, I'm probably going to enjoy it a little bit. But I'm always going in with this preconceived notion that I'm not going to to like it. So it's going to affect how I, 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 I taste that and how I, I react to it. Um, people also tend to get this is actually something we were talking about on the CU podcast just recently. People tend to get attached to brands. So mm-hmm. say that you're really into, say, In-N-Out is your favorite cheeseburger. Yeah. A lot of people in in California love In-N-Out. Um, you know, you're probably going to go into trying any new cheeseburger that someone tells you is better with, uh, I don't know, a chip on your shoulder, with a little bit of bias against it. I don't know that. I don't know that we ever taste things um as we get older as we become as we get you know further in life i don't think we ever taste things uh without influence or without bias
0: true enough i mean when i lived on the east coast i you know i had all sorts of places i would go for a burger here and there and then i moved to the midwest and suddenly i found whataburger and it was like okay This is the burger. I mean, at least as far as fast, fast food goes.
1: What a burger is good. And uh, that was actually the one I was thinking of when I mentioned In-N-Out because it always seems that there is – it always seems to come down to those two uh, that people have really, really strong feelings for. Uh, Both are are definitely – institutions and i I think a lot of it has to do with um it was regional too you know Mm -hmm. you had in and out for a long time was a california thing whataburger for a long time was a texas thing both Mm -hmm. of those states um generate a lot of pride in the people who live there or who Mm -hmm. are from there you don't hear a lot of people who are like yeah i'm from wyoming or, or you know, you know I'm from Wisconsin or something like that, you know the Y states. But people who are from California tend to be proud that they they live in California, they're from there. Uh, same with Texas. Uh, so when you have a Texas burger or a California burger, and I've had both and both are good, it's easy to become extra attached to it because of what it represents or where it's from.
0: And I will just say, you know, I'm an Atari age member. On a couple of occasions, I believe you promised me a sandwich. (laughs) Yes, I I own numerous Atari age members' sandwiches. So so on the topic of sandwiches, do you know Firehouse Subs? Yes, I do. We have them in San Diego. All right. I didn't know if they were that far west. By far the best chain sandwich I could possibly think of.
1: So I really like Firehouse um, as far as a chain goes. I definitely enjoy them. Uh, there is a chain out here though, that, uh, there's one in Vegas, but other than that, I think it's more or less San Diego, uh, California based, um, uh, Ike's sandwiches. It's Ike's sandwich company and the franchises are called Ike's love and sandwiches. Um, they make the same stuff. It's just one is corporate owned. One is franchisee owned. Those are really good. And I tend to frown upon chain sandwiches. I'd rather go to like a local deli or something like that. But um, Firehouse and Ike's
0: are both sandwich chains that I actually like pretty well. Don't know Ike, so I can't comment on that. I just, I for years, I would every time you say we'll buy him a sandwich, it's like, does he know about Firehouse? <laughs> does...
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's definitely a good one. So Anything a... that's not Subway.
0: Yeah. I, I was a Subway fan, huge back in the day. You know, when I was a teenager, I loved Subway, but it's not that they got bad, but there were so many better options that sprang up around them that now I tried it and it's like, what, what am I here for?
1: Yeah, I can definitely uh, agree with that. It, when I was younger, it was, especially like growing up in Western New York where there weren't a ton of delis everywhere. Um, it was an alternative to fast food. You know, it mm-hmm. was just it was something that was different than a burger. But when you move someplace where there's delis every couple of corners mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, there's more sandwich chains coming out, it it's hard to go back to something like Subway. Subway is uh, I always say it's it's not even that it tastes bad. It's, it's the most tasteless food I think I've had from, <laughs> from a restaurant. All the, all the subs taste the same. You could give me a BMT. You could give me a bologna. You could give me, uh, you know, just about anything they make. And it's
0: all going to taste relatively similar. I, if I have to find myself there, and I don't hate it per se, I, but there are cases like I'm in an airport, I'm in a mall, and it's just the best option out of what's there. The subway melt with cold with just the, the bacon on top. That's a good, I can still eat that the same way I did in high school. Sure. I still rather be at Firehouse, but you know what? If I'm there, I can take that home.
1: Right. Yeah. That's it's it's something that you can you can find on the menu and eat, which is important I think uh, with any fast food restaurant that there's something you can find, something you can eat because you never know what's going to be on the side of the road when you need something or in mm-hmm. an airport like you said.
0: So Yokoi Kids, um, not to change the subject too dramatically, but I really, I've, I've been thinking about that a lot ever since it started. I've been watching, following it, and um, I was asking myself, what is it about the Game Boy? Because for years, we had, the NES was like the crown jewel of retro gaming. That sure. was what everybody was talking about. It was hot on the heels of the Atari 2600, which was one the big one 10 years prior to that. right. But it, Game Boy seemed weird because it was always like the weird stepchild of the NES when the NES was big. And it, if I finally clicked, and tell me if you agree, disagree, whatever. With the Game Boy and portable gaming, that was like the first time gaming went from being a social experience to you in your own little world and your own little device. It was personal.
1: Yeah, it's true. I um, It very much is. And you know, even if you look back then, uh, there were multiplayer games, there were link cables, but I don't think that was ever really the main focus. Um, and I remember that was actually, you know, uh, kind of, a uh, a, um, a prickly point initially with, um, you know, my, my younger brother and my parents when we got ours was, you know, it wasn't, With the NES, even if my brother was if I was playing and my brother wasn't, he could easily watch what I was doing. uh, You know, comment on what I was doing, join in, offer me suggestions with the Game Boy. It very much is uh, your own your own little thing. Uh, There's there's not a whole lot you can you can share when you're playing a Game Boy. Mm -hmm. But for me, I've always enjoyed that. um, That that portable experience because I do, I get wrapped up in it. It feels very cozy. Uh, It's like, I don't know. It's like being a, you know, wrapping. It reminds me of wrapping myself up in a blanket and playing Mm -hmm. my game boy as a kid. And it's something that I still like about portable systems to this day is it's my own experience. Um, You know, there, there are no, there is no possibility for backseat gaming uh, from someone else in the room. Um, It's just what you're doing. I like that. It's separate sometimes from the, from the um, you know, the big screen, from the social aspect of it. But I think another thing about the Game Boy that um, and I think it's a it's a big thing now, uh, part of the reason why, especially the black and white era games are getting more popular again, is um, they're very, for the most part, I mean, obviously there's RPGs, but they're very self-contained experiences. They're very pick up, play for 15 minutes um, and be done with them. Um, Yokoi Kids this month is finally doing uh, Kirby's Dream Land. Someone picked it. And it's a great game. And it's got, you know, it's got cool characters, cool graphics. It's got unique levels. Um, but the whole game wraps up in about 35 minutes if you know what you're doing. And you don't have, you know, um, you know, you don't have too much trouble getting through the levels. And I think that's perfect. I think a lot of people, as we get older, we don't have time for games that have, you know, two hour tutorials, let alone 40 hours worth of gameplay. Uh, There's something nice about leaving a Game Boy on your table with a game in it that you like and being able to, you know, pick it up, enjoy it for 10 minutes when you have the time and then put it back down and not feel like you're, you know, leaving too much of yourself in that game.
0: Yeah, and for sure, (laughs) that whole wrapping yourself up in a blanket aspect that, that was kind of what I was thinking of when I was getting into your it's your personalized system. And I actually was thinking that, you know, people like us playing these Game Boy games in 89, 90, 91 and our, our parents saying you're you're kind of off in your own little world there. You're not joining in with the rest of the crowd. And yet nowadays we've got everybody walking around with a smartphone that has their own apps and their own music and their own this and that. It's like we were so far ahead of that curve and we're just now figuring it out.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's, that's very true. Um, You know what, what started in 89 with a game boy, if you played video games, because it wasn't as big of a hobby then has definitely reached out to, you know, the, the whole world um, with smartphones. Uh, I don't drive. So I have a lot of time to, um, I walk around a lot. I use public transportation a lot. Or, um, you know, if I'm going somewhere with my wife and she's driving, I'm in the passenger seat and I have a lot of time to just look out the window and, and people watch and pay attention to what's going on outside. And uh, everyone walking down the street has their, their face in a smartphone, you know, essentially doing what we were doing 20 years ago, 25 years, geez, 30 years ago 30 at this point, point. 30 years ago mm-hmm. at this
0: point. So... And yeah. I'm glad that you're finally grabbing a handle on that because it was always like the Game Boy was just glossed over when it came to, even not only retro gaming, back in the day, it was like the, the you got to take it with you, Nintendo. Yeah,
1: I don't, I, I think
0: people loved it
1: and there were definitely good games on it. Mm-hmm. But I do think when it was, um, I do think there was a period of time where, when it was relevant and current and that goes all the way up to probably the Game Boy Color, it was still looked at as a it's a portable system, but it's a it's a lesser thing. You know, it's not as good as the Genesis I have at home or the Super mm-hmm. Nintendo I have at home or, you know, what I'm playing on the PC. It's it's something that I'm using on the go Um because a lot of my friends, because even back then when I liked the Game Boy, a lot of my friends were like, well, it's not as good as this side of the next thing. I think now a, a, a couple decades removed from its importance um, with retro gaming being a big thing. Uh, I think it's easier to go back and look at it on its own merits, not as the portable brother or sister to,
0: you know, X, Y or Z system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that kind of perspective is really really helpful when you look at that huge huge library and especially factoring in the the Game Boy Color the Game Boy Advance and if you feel the need to even branch out into the DS era,s. yeah I
1: I like all of them um I think the Game Boy Color itself has a pretty poor library um but I've I've, so I was at uh I was at Long Island Retro Gaming this past summer and an attendee gifted me a backlit Game Boy Advance um not the sp but like the original model they had mm-hmm. put a backlight in it and it's really nice and honestly it's the first time in probably a decade i've had the ability to play game boy color and game boy advance games <laughs> um so it's been fun going uh back and finding some of the gems in a library that i i never thought was particularly fantastic um there's definitely good stuff on the game boy color it's just there was a by that point in time there was a lot of shovelware uh, mm-hmm. a lot of licensed stuff um you know, that 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 didn't didn't really bring anything new to the table.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was a diehard Nintendo fan. I had my Game Boy within a couple months of it being released. And I held off on getting a color for various reasons. Because it's like, well, maybe when there's a game that I absolutely have to have, I will get one. Sure. And by the time that time came, the Game Boy Advance was out. Right. Which is like the
1: Game Boy Color game. So yeah. <laughs> just so, get the Game so, Boy
0: Advance that says something to me is that that whole system came and went before I found a real reason that I had to get one.
1: Yeah. I mean, when I think about games on the, the game boy color specifically that I think were, you know, particularly excellent. Um, the, the game boy color version of dragon warrior three is phenomenal. Um, new super well not it wasn't new super mario brothers super mario brothers deluxe mm-hmm. was at the time uh, a very interesting thing because you know, you we still hadn't gotten quite to the point where you were taking original Nintendo games on the go. You know, there was no those those sorts of ports didn't really happen until the Game Boy Advance. So to be able to take something like Super Mario Brothers, and um, they added a lot of the lost levels uh, levels into there too. Um, that was a good that was a good game. But yeah, I mean, I still struggle to think of you know maybe more than five or ten games on the that were specifically Game Boy Color. That would have made me buy that system. Uh, the Metal Gear is good on there, but that's tough to find. Um, the Hamtaro game is actually really good on there. But, yeah, it was it was like by the time they finally got color in the system, they had sort of run out of steam with what they were going to do for it.
0: Uh, what finally pushed me over the edge were the uh, Oracle, Nintendo uh, Zelda games. Sure. And yeah. um, later on getting the Blaster Master game for that era, it just... Uh, But, I mean, that was a handful of games out of a huge, huge library.
1: Yeah,
0: hundreds of them. So So are you have any major plans for these two projects? Uh, Do you have any goals as far as making uh, the YouTube series an extra podcast or a book? No, I don't
1: generally have any. um, I I try not to put any huge goals on it. Um, I just want to see where... Extra napkins goes. Um, okay. Currently, our format is you know, we kind of just pick a topic and riff on it for about an hour. But at some point, you know, we're going to have to start looking into, you know, um, probably news articles, uh, food trend articles, commenting on them. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that we'd ever become a, a, a food news podcast, but um, you know, that is something that we'll probably have to turn our attention to. Um, We already did one episode at a uh, Polish food festival. Um, That's something that John and I definitely want to do more of is uh, going to festivals and and covering them um, live or not live, but, you know, covering them after the fact. Uh, We are actually I I don't know that we will. As a matter of fact, it, it it's the day after I get back from the SoCal Retro Gaming Convention. Um, But there is the um, it's the uh, World Pizza Convention or something like that in Vegas. So we actually put in for press passes. We'll see if we get them. Um, I'm not expecting to get them. But uh, John actually. Uh, you know, worked covering events for uh, local news for a long time, and he's like, you know, they just kind of wave press passes through because almost no one applies for them. So we'll see. I think that's that's the big thing we want to do uh, this year is is try to focus more on festivals, food shows and um, do a couple more road trips like we did uh Just two weeks ago, we went up to L.A. and hit a bunch of places on the way up and down and have been covering those in the most recent episodes. So I think that's what we want to do with that. With Yokoi Kids, we kind of reached the goal with with Yokoi Kids. Um, We wanted to get to the point where there was uh, enough people contributing to to make the site worthwhile. And um, about six months into Yokoi Kids, I don't know if it was... Uh, Rick says, you know, he got a lot of, um, signups after I had, you know, pushed it on the pod, uh, the completely unnecessary podcast, and uh, we just got a huge influx of contributors. So we're kind of at that point now where we're getting enough entries, um, and we're, we're happy where that is, uh, more entries is always good, but I don't know that we are looking to really grow it necessarily. I think Rick and I have always had this idea that we might put out a couple of zines, Uh, that are Yokoi Kids related with a couple of like, uh, because he does a lot of comic art. I write a lot. You know, we would maybe do a couple of one-off print zines that were Yokoi Kids related. But yeah, nothing huge. Um, Yeah, no books in the works or anything like that.
0: Well, I actually think uh, just having a a website with good, solid content is actually really admirable because we're kind of getting away from that on the internet where everything's being pushed to social media and made it to clickbait and just to have some good solid content about an interesting subject is something not enough people are doing.
1: Thanks. Yeah, I agree. It's um, I've noticed that too, you know, 15 years ago, uh, I would load up, uh, you know, whatever web browser I was using, Netscape probably at the time. And, you know, there would be a a list of 10 websites in my head that I would run down and check. Mm You know, every day when I would log on and with the way social media is now and the way content is released, you're absolutely right. Um, that doesn't really exist. I don't really check any websites anymore. I, I turn the Internet on and I go to Twitter and I may follow links to a couple of websites to read longer articles, but um yeah, I, that's not really the thing. It's, it's, it's get yourself a social media presence and get yourself a Patreon and do, and do videos and things like that. And I don't have any issues with Patreon or, or videos, but I'm not a person who prefers to um, gather his information from videos. I like to read articles. I like to look at pictures and things like that. So um, the whole YouTube generation, the whole YouTube boom, the whole quote-unquote pivot to video um, has you know more or less left me high and dry. It's not something that I find particularly interesting.
0: Yeah. If it's of any consolation, it, it it does still exist, but it's a lot harder to find, and the people who maintain it aren't necessarily doing it the way that you and I would prefer it be done. But I mean, people are still making these articles out there. You just have to look a little deeper. Right. And then, like say you making yokoi kids. I mean that's. It, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here. I was like, say, Hey, this project is out there and it's worthwhile, but you may not finding it just opening up your Facebook feed. So, you know, if you're a Game yeah. Boy fan, head out there.
1: Right. And I, yeah. So I, I, I do appreciate that. Yeah. It's um, yeah. People aren't like, people don't, you know, get on the internet and go to Google and type in something that interests them anymore and then start following websites and then find communities that way it's they find people they like to follow on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook that are knowledgeable about the topics they enjoy and they they follow you know those people instead like I said I have no issue with that that's just not the way that I prefer to do it
0: Wikipedia and the internet archive are kind of I think the the last bastions of that old style internet information repository because they they'll link to those sites the, the personal websites and the the in deep articles and it's like i said it's still there just not the not the main focus anymore
1: yeah i think i think wikis in general are definitely sort of the you make a good point there i think that's sort of the extension of um what we were talking about you know you don't have i mean, i'm sure you do but you know unlike in 99 2000 2003 4 5 you know you're not going to a um you know, a website that's all about the NES, NES world or something, and then reading about it and learning your stuff from there. You're going to wikis and various, you know, places like that that cover all of the Nintendo games or, you know, you'll find a link in one and you'll just follow those links down a rabbit hole. Um, it's it, it, it's it's similar. It's a little different. It, 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 it's similar enough, though. That's yeah. how I spend my evening. You know, reading up on topics is I just keep clicking links in a Wikipedia or a wiki of some sort until it's, you know, three in the morning and I'm done.
0: Yeah. I mean, people talk about the YouTube rabbit hole and they can just be on there for hours. I can't. I mean, I'll, I'll spend 30 minutes on there and I'm done. But I hit Wikipedia and I type in something that interests me. And yeah, it's three in the morning when I'm done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they really are kind of two sides of the same
0: coin. One is text and one is video and audio. So hey, I know that you're a busy guy and you probably got customers coming in later you got to get to, but if somebody wants to follow this information, you know, and check out Yokoi Kids or anything else, where can they follow you on the internet?
1: So Yokoi Kids is uh, at, let me, I actually, I need to double check that because it's just a link. Uh, so let me find out. So you can find me at Pixelsickle, P-X-L-S-I-C-L-E um, on Twitter. Um, you can find yokoi kids at on twitter at yokoi kids y o k o i k i d s um, extra napkins is also on twitter it's at e napkins and then yokoi kids itself the website which is the you know more important thing uh, is yokoi com. awesome
0: and I'm going to make sure all that gets into the show notes. So if somebody is just listening to this and can't write it down, my website will have everything on there.
1: Awesome. I appreciate it.
0: Awesome. Is there anything else you want to cover while we're here?
1: No, that's it. I think we covered it. Um, definitely check out extra napkins, check out Yokoi Kids. Uh, if you're listening to this, there's a good chance that you probably already know about the Completely Unnecessary <laughs> podcast because that's, that's where uh, I think that's where I'm most well known from um and yeah that's about that
0: awesome well man thank you so much for being here i would be glad to have you back anytime because you're a heck of a fun guy and i just like picking your brain
1: thanks man anytime
0: take good care see you soon i would like to thank ian ferguson for being my guest today and i would like to thank you for listening For the Geek Resources part of the show today, I'm going to swing back to our conversation and recommend AtariAge.com. AtariAge is a fantastic video game website that focuses mostly on the classic era of games, specifically Atari, but is also a really great website to learn about anything video game related if you go into the forums and talk to the many, many fine people there who know just what they're talking about and can talk like adults about pretty much any topic you throw at them. I strongly recommend Atari Age if you like video games at all, and I'm sure Ian would back me up on this. For the community building part of the show today, I'm going to suggest if you use Twitter or Facebook, share links to the Hungry Trilobite podcast on your page, either directly on your page or even better, tag a friend in them who you think would like it. That's the kind of word of mouth that really helps build the show in a hurry. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.